The Money Pit is presented by RoofMax, Dice Coatings, and the Angie App. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you take on the projects that you want to get done around your house. You got a question? Reach out to us by calling 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974, or better yet, for the fastest possible response, Go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. So what are you guys planning for the weekend? Is it a project that you'd like to get done? You need help solving a problem? We are here to help you do just that. So reach out to us with your questions. Coming up on today's show, if your kitchen is ready for a new countertop, we're going to share tips on a very green and very durable countertop material, concrete. Yep concrete it's gaining in popularity it looks fantastic and it lasts forever we'll tell you the details just ahead and also coming up according to a new survey by clever real estate americans nearly everywhere are struggling to afford skyrocketing rent since 2009 rent prices have eclipsed income growth in 46 out of the 50 biggest u.s metros but hey renters it's not all gloom and doom we've got seven ways to make your rent more affordable just ahead and is summer's stuff clogging your house? You know, summer stuff, its own special brand of clutter, beach toys, big <laughs> towels, coolers, chairs, boogie boards, basketballs, you name it. Well, we've got room by room advice on how to edit down your summer stuff and get refreshed for the sizzling months remaining. All right, but first, are you dreaming about a project that you'd like to tackle this summer season? Well, if you can dream it, you can do it, and we can help. So let us know what projects you have in mind, and we can help you figure out how to get it done, whether you're doing it yourself or hiring a pro. Reach out to us at moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? And in Illinois is on the line with a question about a porch. How can we help you today? Well, I have this problem, this porch is closed in even on the north side, but the north side of it is not finished. And recently I have had this moldy, musty smell in it. Now, yesterday it was nice. I opened the windows and you couldn't smell it or when I have the dehumidifier on. But if I have neither, I can smell that musty smell. And my question is this. I've taken off the old insulation that was in there, and do I need to do anything like to the boards, to the wood, before I put the new insulation in it, and will that help? Okay, so first of all, this is a porch, so it's not a heated space. Is that correct? Yes. Why are you insulating it if it's not a heated space? I just thought maybe that would help the moisture for the Dampy smell? No, not not at all. In fact, it will make it worse. You want to, you, you basically want to let this dry out as easily as possible. Look, anything that's outside in it is always going to be uh, damp, just because of the nature of it. But I don't think you want to close this in, add insulation or anything like that. That's just going to hold moisture, and it has absolutely zero benefit. Uh, as insulation because you're not trying to keep the heat on one side and the cold on the other. So I would definitely pull that insulation out, Anna, uh, and I would air out those spaces. And what I would also do is I would spray 
uh, those walls with uh, a good quality cleaner like spray and forget. That will take care of mold, mildew, algae, even dirt that forms on those walls and take that out of the equation as, as well. So pull the insulation out, spray them down, and then let them air out. And I think that will solve it. Anna, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Steve in Delaware needs some electrical help. What's going on in your money pit? Uh, I have a, an outlet that died on me. Uh, I changed the outlet, but it still doesn't work. All the breakers, none of the breakers went, and all the uh, GFIs uh, are, are all good. It just don't work. So it's just one outlet. That's correct. And you haven't, you have no ground faults that tripped it, and you have no breakers that tripped it. Do you know if the wiring is hot in the outlet? I put a tester on it, and it says it's not hot. Now, all of a sudden, it just died. Well, it says the outlet's not hot, but I wonder if the wiring feeding the outlet is hot. That's my question. So, you, first of all, you probably shouldn't be doing this repair, Steve, unless you're very, very competent with electrical work because it's potentially dangerous. But if I was you and I was faced with this problem, what I would do is I would take the cover plate off of the electrical outlet. I would use one of my electrical testers that detects current, not not the outlet, but current. And I would stick it in there and see if it, I actually have hot wires. If I have hot wires, then I know I've got a bad outlet. And if that's the case, we need to turn the power off completely, make absolutely positively sure that the power is off, and then uh, switch out that outlet with a new one. Well, I checked the uh, wires um, when, I sw- when I went to switch the outlet out because there was a crack on the outlet. I switched the outlet okay. out, and I checked the wires when I did that, and I'm not getting any electric to the wires. So, Steve, this is now beyond the scope of, of what I think you probably should be doing yourself because outlets can be wired in series, and so the actual failure can be somewhere else down the line. And I think you ought to turn to an electrician and have them investigate it and repair it just to make sure it's safe, okay? All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Steve. Sometimes it's a do-it-yourself project, and sometimes it's not. Sydney on Ohio is on the line with a question about cedar shingles. How can we help you? I live in a raised ranch home, and I have cedar shingle siding um, on the front of my home. And this, the shingles themselves are in good shape. They were previously stained, and I'm wondering, now that they're fading, if there's any way I could paint them or do something different to them other than staining them. So, Cindy, the one thing to know about siding like this, cedar siding in particular, is that once you paint it, you're kind of committing to paint for the rest of the life of the siding on your house. If you continue with the stain, as you've noticed, the stain will fade, it'll change color, but it doesn't ever get to the point where you have like cracked strips of stain that, that would have to be pulled off with, with paint. That's what happens. It ends up cracking and separating from the cedar below, and you'll have to scrape it all out to do another coat or at least rough up what's there. So I'm a big fan of stain on siding. Now, that said, you have a lot of choices in stain. It doesn't have to be dark. You want to brighten it up, not a problem. You want to turn it into like a red cedar, you can do that. You want it to be gray, you could do that. I would recommend that you use a good quality, solid color exterior stain. And the other thing about cedar siding is that sometimes it's helpful if you prime it first with an anti-tannin primer. There's certain types of primers that work well with cedar. And by doing that, you stop some of the oils from leaking through and impacting the quality of the stain. You know, we've taken care of the cedar siding on our house doing just that for many, many years. And I've had my siding last years and years and years, like way longer than it should have between coats of stains because we did it right the first time out. So I'd recommend you skip the painting step and go right with the stain. Use the solid color stain, prime it first, and that's going to last as long as it possibly can. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? 
That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. You know, we love hearing from our listeners. And if you want to make our day, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You know, it really helps us know what we're doing right and how we can improve our show for you. So just go to moneypit.com slash review, moneypit.com slash review, and you might even win a copy of our book. Hey, if you've got some nasty-looking concrete surfaces around your house, inside or out, we've got a solution we're giving away today on the show, the Terrazzo Decorative Granite Resurfacer from Dice Coatings. This is a liquid flooring system made from real stone, and it works for surfaces inside and out, and it will totally turn those ugly patios or walks or steps into very attractive, durable surfaces, and it comes in seven colors. It's worth $59.95 a gallon, plus we'll throw in painting supplies for a total value of $75 and send that out to one listener drawn at random. So make that you. Call us now with your how-to or decor question at 888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974 or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Alex in West Virginia is on the line with a question about grading. Tell us what's going on at your Money Pit. I bought my house last year. It's a 1926 American Foursquare home. The lot that the home was built on is 140 feet deep by like 30 feet wide. Um, But the problem is... The drop from the very back of the lot to the very front of the lot is pretty significant. It's about 10 feet. So the house is on a hill, um, and I'm wondering what I can do to level out the front yard so it's easier to mow and so it looks nicer if I could build some sort of retaining wall. And then I want to do something in the backyard the same way because playing on it for a dog and the kid is kind of hard. I was wondering what you thought about maybe trying to level all that out somehow. Well, right now it sounds like the house is going to cut into the hillside. Is it So it slopes down towards the street in the front, or it slopes slopes away from the house that's correct it slopes down uh if you stand in the very front of the yard you can't you're not even above the line in the back so i mean a retaining wall is the best way to achieve that but of course building a retaining wall especially if you're talking about several feet like that is is no small task i mean it's a pretty big project and it's got to be done well because if it's not engineered properly it's it's going to fail fortunately today there are a lot of good masonry products precast masonry products that work extremely well for retaining walls. It used to be that your best option was, you know, something that looked like railroad ties that were stacked up and you had these these railroad ties that would go back into the hillside. They were they were called dead men because they would just lay there and hold the wall in. <laughs> 
but eventually, it was, that's what it was called. It was called the Dead Man. Uh, and it was, it was the piece that was perpendicular to the wall and was basically covered with soil because that would be sort of the tie that would hold it in place. But today, you could use uh, precast retaining wall blocks. They're made by a number of great manufacturers. And you can stack those up once you prepare the base properly and then just sort of backfill as you go. And remember to provide for proper drainage because that really is the key. Whatever you do, you want to make sure that you're handling the water that's running down that hillside properly. And if you aren't built, to, if you are built into a slope like that, it's really more important than ever to have what's called a swale, where the water uh, sort of divides before it gets to the back of your house and then goes around the left and the right sides and then runs down, you know, to the street. But certainly that's an option, but it's a big project, and it's one that I would recommend you get professional help with because of the size and the scope of it. Well worth having a landscape architect or designer kind of spec that out for you because if you're going to do it yourself, you'll know exactly what you have to do. And if you're not going to do it yourself, you can use that spec to get bids from qualified contractors, and you'll know that they're all going to be sort of bidding apples to apples. The problem is if you just call a contractor and say, build me a retaining wall, everyone's going to build it slightly differently and it's going to be hard for you to figure out what's the best choice because the guy that's the cheapest may not be doing the best job or using the best materials you follow me mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so that's the way i'd approach it oh i appreciate your uh, your answer i listen to your podcast every week well thank you so much for, for doing that and uh, we're so glad you called all right thank you well concrete is a beautiful durable and versatile material which is why it's become so popular for kitchen and bathroom countertops It provides the high-end modern look that you see with marble and granite and other premium countertop materials, but here's the thing, it doesn't come with that hefty price tag. It also handles wear and tear, especially outdoors, better than laminate, tile, and other common countertop materials. Yeah, but the other reason that so many people like concrete as a countertop material is because building one can actually be a DIY project. Now, Quickrete makes a high-strength countertop mix that's formulated to be very flowable, which is important for concrete countertop projects. Now, the process involves basically building a form, which is then filled with concrete, and you can even add colorant to give that finished top the exact color that you desire. Yeah, and while the mix is designed for concrete, it can be used for cast concrete projects like vases or even pendant lamps. You can find some tips and videos for all of these projects on the Quickrete website. And the other nice feature about a concrete countertop is that since it's DIY-friendly, concrete really gives homeowners the flexibility to make completely unique concrete countertops, you know, ones that are going to fit your style, your personality, your taste. You can do them in any shape or size or thickness, color, texture, configuration. So if you've got amazing ideas and you can't find the material for it, I'm telling you, concrete is a really great solution, and it looks amazing. Quickrete countertop mix can be special ordered at the contractor desk of any Home Depot or Lowe's. Quickrete, what America's made of. Now we've got Alice in Wisconsin on the line who has a question about imitation bricks. What can we do for you? Well, I just want your opinion on some of the advantages or disadvantages or the types of installation, whether it's better one way than another. And just your opinion on it. Where are you putting these imitation bricks? On the front of the house, from top to bottom, but just a section. Okay, well, like all projects, uh, Alice, it can be done well or done poorly, but the idea of using uh, synthetic brick and synthetic stone is one that is a solid uh, process, uh, not to, to coin a phrase, but, I mean, it's a good idea. Uh, you can get a lot of uh, beauty out of those bricks and out of that sort of um, synthetic stone uh, at a lot less weight 
than you would have to deal with if they were real masonry materials. You might want to take a look at the company called uh, Boral, B-O-R-A-L, Boral Brick. They make brick and stone uh, synthetic products that are uh, adheres to the outside of homes and look absolutely terrific. And then there's different ways. I've got information on three or four different styles. Some are nailed, some have clips, and some has um, no mortar. Okay, well, the the ones that are nailed or clipped, that's that's a type of siding. That's not like a stucco process where it's adhered to the outside of the house. That's basically a siding that looks like brick. And I, I don't know about you, Leslie, but I haven't seen any of those siding products that really look like brick. No. I mean, I really would go with a, a faux product. Tom's recommendation is a good one. Um, Kodiak is another one that makes an exterior faux stone. Um, and those will all be applied like a tile would be with mortar with, you know, to really stand the test of time. And they'll look amazing and they'll look more realistic. And basically, when you're dealing with a faux stone, it's made from, is it poured concrete, Tom? They like pour it into the forms and colorize it to give it all of that natural depth and beauty. Right. It's a slurry mix, um, but it, it basically is, is made in a factory and can take on any shape or color or form that you wish. I would look into Zodiac or Boral as the manufacturers of those uh, synthetic brick products. I think you'll be very happy with either one, okay? Okay. Are they fine in a northern climate? Absolutely. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Philip in Arkansas is on the line and needs some help cleaning stainless steel. How can we help you today? I have uh, got like six stainless steel sinks in a place where... I usually work, and my wife works, and uh, they are really dirty. Uh, one of them, uh, somebody's put a lot of dry ice in it, and it's really corroded white and whatever color. And then others are just got a lot 
a lot of spots, and I've about done everything I can. I've used some of that bar stuff and SOS and everything I can, but I don't know how to clean them. Well, I mean, it might be that you, that these stains, these sinks are, are not so much dirty, but they're just sort of discolored, and you really can't get back where you want to go. The product that I usually use is, is by a Wyman, W-E-I-M-A-N. It's a stainless steel cleaner and a polish. It seems to work pretty well, but it sounds to me like you've already thrown everything that you could find against these stainless steel sinks, and you're not getting anywhere with it. Yeah, yes, sir. Especially if you use that Barkeeper's Best Friend. That's pretty Barkeeper's good stuff. Barkeeper's Friend is very good stuff. Yes, I've, I've used the Barkeeper's Friend, and I've you know, sort of, pasted it up, put it on there. I've even used a drill. Oh, boy. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that these sinks are beyond cleaning, Leslie. <laughs> if you've hooked up a drill and a cleaning wheel with it, I don't think you're going to get them any better. Okay, well, yes, then I hope I don't uh, guess I can say they say I can't get fired over it then. Well, I don't think you should get fired over it, no, because I think you've done the best you can. You've certainly made every effort, and you've used some very good products. I think what's happened here is that the metal itself is discolored. It's changed. It's a chemical reaction. It's not something you're going to be able to pull out of it. Okay. And and what was that stuff that you said? Yeah, it's, uh, it's by Wyman, W-E-I-M-A-N. It's a stainless steel cleaner, W-E-I-M-A-N. Okay, well, I, I haven't tried that stuff yet. All right, we'll give it a shot, and good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. If they want to fire you, you make sure you, they call us first, okay? We'll straighten them out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much, and God bless. All right, take care. Well, according to a new survey by Clever Real Estate, Americans nearly everywhere are struggling to afford skyrocketing rents. Now, since 2009, rent prices have eclipsed income growth in 46 of the 50 biggest U.S. metros. So you're not making enough money to even cover these rents, you guys. So we asked Clever for tips that can make rent more affordable. I think they came up with some good ones. Yeah. So first up, negotiate with the landlord when it's time to renew the lease. Landlords do want to keep good renters, so you might have some leverage. Just research comparable properties and offer a fair price. Yeah. Also think about signing a longer lease. Landlords don't want frequent vacancies, so they may be more likely to lower the price if you sign for a year and a half or two years, you know, something more than just the one year. The other option is to move apartments in the off season. Now we see this a lot in my area of the country because the homes are very popular for summer renters. And that's because most people make those moves in the summer, which increases demand and leads to higher rent prices. But landlords may have a tough time filling tenants to fill vacancies in the fall or the winter. So as a result, they may offer lease specials or be more open to negotiations. Also, think about referring your friends. Some apartment complexes will offer a cash bonus or even a rent discount for current renters who bring in new tenants. And it's always nice to have a good neighbor. That's right. And also be flexible with your standards. Now, you shouldn't settle for an apartment that has serious problems, such as maintenance issues and insect problems. But you don't really need a grounded countertop, and you don't really need stainless steel appliances. So if you lower your size just a little bit, you're going to end up paying a lot less for rent. And lastly, I mean, you can relocate. You know, living downtown or in a highly desirable area is, of course, going to be more expensive, and you can still find nice apartments in safe neighborhoods that are just a little bit further away. Hugh in Missouri, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have quite a few uh, Japanese beetles that have really attacked my um, cherry tree and my plum plum tree and my raspberries and my uh, rosebush. 
a couple rose bushes. <clears throat> I've talked to a national uh, company that will help me, but I'm, I have a couple dogs that are in the backyard some, and I'm wondering if how important is it to avoid chemical chemical sprays to uh, take care of those Japanese beetles. Everybody puts chemical sprays in a big, you know, in sort of the big pile of being something bad. But you have to remember that pesticides and various products like that today, they're relatively safe if they're applied by people that understand what they're applying and they're applied properly mm-hmm. because they are so thoroughly tested. So I wouldn't necessarily well, so steer away. so applied. Yeah, exactly. Well. It's not like a one-size-fits-all. So I wouldn't get so worked up about not using a so-called chemical on my landscaping because, frankly, it actually would be the right thing to do. There are so many people in this country, with, with insects especially, that will buy you know a way ridiculous amount of over-the-counter products and spray everything and, and make their homes more toxic than ever, just so that they don't have to hire a, a, a you know a, a pesticide pro to do it for them. But the pest pros know okay. exactly what to do, what to apply, how much to apply, and what insect they're trying to get rid of. Now, if you okay. want to try this a natural way, one solution that I have heard of, but I can't attest to how successful it is, but I have read about it, is to make your own application, your own pesticide, so to speak, out of red cedar planks. You know how you use red cedar in closets because it keeps moths away from yeah, clothes? Yeah, keeps the moths away. Same principle yeah. applies. You basically get, get yourself some red cedar and you soak it. Um, for a couple of days in uh, in water and let that cedar sort of leach into the water and then you apply that as your as your spray so that's okay. one thing that you can try you can also buy um, like red cedar chips online or you can find them at a pet store sometimes they sell red cedar for like the bottom of like hamster cages and things like that but you can you know saturate some water with that and apply that as your pesticide and see if it works for you but again i'm not concerned i'm not so afraid to pick up the phone and call a a pest control operator or purchase the right product um, to get rid of the insect that i'm dealing with okay thank you i'm really enjoying listening to your program every week well good thanks thanks so much much. for calling so glad we could help you out thank you give us a call with whatever you are working on to team money pit and we've got a great reason for you to do so we've got up for grabs this hour the terrazzo decorative granite resurfacer from dice coatings Now, this is a liquid flooring system that's actually made from real stone that you can use inside or out, and it's durable and decorative and available in seven colors. You just roll on two coats, and then you seal and add some anti-slip. You're going to get great results. It retails for $59.95 a gallon, plus we're going to throw in the painting supplies that you need for a total value of $75. Dice Coatings Terrazzo Decorative Granite Resurfacer is going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. You must have a home improvement question to qualify the number here is one money pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Pam in Florida has a porch question. How can we help you today? Uh, we live on the water, and in Florida, there's a lot of wind on the water. We're close to the Gulf of Mexico, and we have a screen porch with aluminum railings, and the wind keeps blowing the screen sections out. We've tried all different types of screens and double screening them and all different types of splines. And I wondered if you had any better ideas for us. Are we talking about on doors or windows? We're talking about uh, screen sections on a screen porch. Screen porch. Okay. And so how big are these sections? Uh, Probably four by six. Pretty big. Are you using vinyl screening or using metal screening? Vinyl. Yeah, I think that's the issue. The vinyl screening is pretty soft and pretty flexible, not very sturdy. 
I, I think you're going to need to use a heavier gauge screening in order to make this more permanent. And you're also going to need to consider not only the attachment points, I'm not quite sure how you're doing that, but it's got to be super secure. And you might want to add grills to divide that up into a bit smaller space. Uh, it could be a thin grill, but it could, but a, but a grill would give it some additional strength. So I think you're going to need to use much heavier screening. And, and not vinyl screening, okay? Because I think putting on a double layer of, uh, of, the, of the vinyl is going to really not you know, get you where you need to be. It really should be heavy metal screening when it's, that, when it's a four-by-six-foot area. Right. Do you know if metal screening comes in a fine enough mesh to keep no CMs out? Oh, yeah. It comes in different mesh densities and different gauge metals. You just got to find a good source of supply down there for it. Thank you very much. Appreciate the help. You're very welcome. Well, now that we're halfway through the summer, is summer's stuff clogging your house? You know, summer has its own special brand of clutter, like beach toys, big towels, coolers, chairs, bicycles, boogie boards, you name it. But you can easily cut all of that stuff down to size and get refreshed for the sizzling months ahead. Leslie, you got two boys that have lots of stuff, so you must yeah. face this all the time. Got some oh, ideas? Yeah. I mean, every season comes with its own interesting combination of stuff. So in the summer, you have more stuff, and it's just all over the place. So I'm not going to lie. I do use my car as storage for summer stuff because we're going to the beach a lot. So I keep, like, our folding chairs in there. This way I know they're there. They're ready to go. And I keep, like, a small cluster of things that they know that they want or need for the beach as well in my car, like a boogie board or you know, some sand toys for the little guy. You know, it depends. But this way, that's kind of organized. I also do bins for things, like in the bathroom closet upstairs, which is the only bathroom closet. You know, you have towels, but there's house towels and there's beach pool towels. So I've done a little bin at the bottom of the closet that has all of the beach pool towels so there's no confusing and not taking the nice ones from the bathroom. You have the specific ones. And there's also the beach bag, the pool passes, all of the sunblock, everything you need. So that if you're getting ready to go to the pool or if the sitter's here, if I'm on a project or something, they can easily grab that one specific thing and know that it's ready to go. So I try to just keep things categorized and organized. And then, of course, there's, you know, reinforcing to your family where everything has to go back to. So chances are, as the adults in the house, we're going to be the ones that end up doing the most of it. But if you've got a space for everything to go, then that really helps. Same thing for the garage. Keep a bin that's specific for this season so people know where to grab the stuff from and know where to put it back to. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Reach out to us with your home improvement questions at one eight 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 Money Pit or MoneyPit.com slash ask. Tim in Illinois is on the line with a mold question. What's going on? The house was painted five years ago. It's got a new roof, new gutters. And underneath the soffit, I have this black mold that um, it's kind of splotchy. Um, pretty, it's getting, it's like a black, blackish film, and it's starting to come down the siding. And it wasn't like that last year. Uh, I'm just, I don't know what to use to clean it and, and prevent it from coming back. I, I wonder if it's mold. It could be something else. I mean, sometimes we see any kind of growth, we call it mold, but it could be moss or mildew or algae. There's a product on the market called Spray and Forget that's very effective. Uh, against all those things, mold, mildew, moss, and algae. And as the name implies, it's very easy to use. You spray and then you kind of uh, walk away and the product goes to work uh, basically inhibiting the ability of that 
uh, of that growth to continue. And then uh, it will basically dissipate after that. So I would go ahead and pick up some spray and forget. And it is safe to use uh, around plants. It's a cleaning, an effective, very effective cleaning product for situations like that. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Mike Rodin's team Money Pit saying, I'm having a hard time installing the dryer vent tube. The inlet outlet won't line up and I end up squishing the vent tube up against the wall. I know this is restricting airflow. There has to be a better way. What products methods can you recommend? Yep. Good question. And you're right. Getting that dryer vent connection sort of just right so you don't have any obstruction is really, really important for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, for safety. If it's not smooth, the transition to the outside, you're going to be more likely to build up lint and that can cause a fire. And the longer the dryer also has to work to vent that moisture, the more energy it burns up in the process, not to mention all of the wear and tear on the clothes as they tumble around. So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas. It sounds like you tried the straightforward approach and found it didn't work so well. There is a type of a vent extension for this called a periscope vent. If you think of the way a periscope works, you kind of look in at the bottom of one side of it. And then there's also a place that you would, if it was a periscope, be able to see out the top. Well, that enables you to connect to the back of the dryer and then reposition the top of it to wherever the vent connection is in the wall. And this way you don't have that kind of obstruction. The other thing is to take a look at the dryer and see if it's possible to side vent it because some dryers can be modified and go out the side. In my house, the dryer duct goes out the side. I reposition it that way because I only had to go 12 inches to be outside. So no obstructions whatsoever. And the clothes dry super fast. All right, good tips. Well, summer's a good season for closet cleaning, but if you have a lot of accessories, it can be hard to find places to keep all that organized. The solution might be to repurpose some of your common household items. Leslie explains how in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, take it away. Yeah, I mean, truly, you can use kitchen items that will help you organize your bedroom closet. You just kind of have to think creatively, and something that you recognize as one use in the kitchen totally makes sense for something else. For example, a rolling pin. You can use a rolling pin as a great bracelet or watch storage system. You can use shower rings on a hanger to hang scarves, ties, belts. You can use a muffin tin to store little trinkets like pins or earrings. And you can use them for cufflinks, tie pins, even to sort spare change. And I'm not talking about like the 24 cupcake one. You can get a six muffin tin, you know, things that are smaller that specifically work excellently for stuff in your closet. Unless you have a lot of little stuff to store, then you need the 24 cupcake. Right. Then maybe you do need the 24 (laughs) one. But if we're talking about trying to fit it in a drawer, go for the six or the dozen. Now, toilet paper rolls. Normally, you just throw that cardboard out. But if you have tights or pantyhose, you know that they can get snagged very easily in your drawer. So you can use those toilet paper rolls to just sort of tuck those tights right inside of it. And it keeps them perfectly protected. You can also do this with socks if you kind of have a one navy, one black sock, you're getting dressed in the dark, you know, you can go ahead and be like, ah, I know if I grab this toilet paper roll, I'm getting a pair that matches. So that's really a great way to solve that sock problem. And finally, a corkboard with some really cute decorative pushpins is a great way to hang costume jewelry like your necklaces. And it makes it a great way so that you can see the accessories that you've got available to you. You're wearing them more because you can actually see them rather than trying to dig through a box or a different storage system. If they're right in front of you, you're going to wear them and you'll be able to see exactly what you've got. And there really are some cute pushpins. I actually did this in my closet slash dressing area with really beautiful drawer pulls 
I did a fun collection of drawer pulls. I screwed them right into the wall, and I just hang all my necklaces there. So it's a great way to see what you got. Cool idea. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, coming up next time on the program, if you're thinking about an outdoor project and love the sound of a babbling brook, water features like ponds or waterfalls can be a really fun feature to add to your backyard. We'll talk you through how to build one yourself on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money Pit.